Welcome into the Writer's Room. This podcast explores the world of TV through interviews with writers, producers, and anyone who helps get ideas from the notes after the Netflix queue. Today's guest is Josh Pita. He's worked in social media for Lucasfilms, production for DreamWorks, and is currently a script coordinator on the Warner Brothers show Batwheels. In this episode, we talk about his path from PA to script coordinator and his advice for young writers. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for being on Into the Writer's Room. Um, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Cool. So just to kind of start from the beginning, can you share a little bit about your childhood and how you got interested in writing? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think from, I don't know, from when I was really young, I really liked reading. Um, and then as I got a little older while I was in school, I got really into like theater. And so it was both like performing, it was like writing plays and things like that. Um, that eventually turned into like an interest in film. Um, and when I first got to college, um, my major was screenwriting. So like, uh, I kind of got to see like really like how movies are written because previously like I'd, I'd really only read plays and so my first year in college was a great way to be able to just like see how screenplays were written and like see how they're made and um, initially I thought I was more interested in like the directing or like maybe acting route because I had done theater for so long um, but then when I started to like write shorts and stuff that I would either produce or direct I would I realized I liked the writing part more um, so then that's kind of just how my interest in like performing in general evolved into an interest in like writing. That's awesome so was that at UCSD or was that your grad school? Oh, so um, actually when I first started school, I started at Chapman University. I was in their film school and I didn't, it's a good school and the program's like amazing. And the people who graduate do like really great things. Um, I just didn't really think I fit in well with like kind of the culture of the school. Plus it was really expensive. Um, and I just really didn't think I wanted to pay for like four years of that. Um, so I transferred to a city college for a little while. I took, I, I finished all my, my undergrad requirements and then also like took some writing classes, but then I eventually transferred to UCSD um, and I actually studied like anthropology there. Um, and it was just because I was more mainly interested in the subject and uh, in my free time, I was like writing and like doing freelance things here or there to just like get experience and things like that. Yeah. Do you feel like your anthropology degree has helped you at all in screenwriting or is it just kind of an unrelated interest? Uh, I think it's related. I don't think it's like directly related, but um, I think it informs a lot of what I like to write about. Um, maybe not my, the writing itself, but like I'm, I'm interested in like history. I'm interested in like, you know, people and cultures and things like that. Um, so and like like I'm biracial so like uh the anthropology was a really great way for me to like explore just like like dimensions of culture and like because of my interest in that I feel like the topics I tend to pick to write about follow along those lines of like you know identity and like um learning about oneself and like and like kind of just like speaking like truth to power because a lot of what anthropology is is like uncovering and like exploring how a lot of peoples and cultures have been like exploited in the past and um how science and like the the subject of anthropology is like trying to remedy that and also just like learn and like i think that yeah. i don't know if that's like a great explanation but it was it was just more of an intellectual like curiosity the major requirements weren't terribly difficult so i got to kind of just learn at a, a leisurely pace and then have a lot of free time in school to write and also like work um so i think i was interested in it but also i liked the free time i got to have to explore like doing film stuff or writing and things like that yeah and I think like major isn't as important now as it may maybe used to be so I think like it's probably a good thing you have like that kind of diverse experience 
Yeah, I think especially for like the film industry, I, I've just met a lot of people who don't have film degrees, like they it, it, or or degrees in general. Like I don't think that's a requisite to like break into or succeed in the film industry. Um, I think you know if you want to be an engineer, getting an engineering degree, or if you want to get into med school, like you know a bio or like a med medical degree is like you know you need to get that. But for film or like things like that, it's I think if you are enjoying your college experience and um, maybe able to use that time to like get internships and get like experience um, in the field you want to be in if it's in you know the film industry I think that that could potentially help you more than if you had specifically just studied film it's helpful but um, I don't think it's a requirement yeah so then what was your experience like getting your MA in film um so that one was actually very very brief but informative um so I was at Syracuse University's um, Master's of Art program and so it's not like an MFA like where it's a three-year program it's literally just like a year and a half like almost two year long program but um, I'm, I was only in school for about 18 months for it. Um, and it's very much like a professional degree kind of thing. Like you learn about the film industry. I took writing classes. I took film production classes. And you had access to a lot of resources to like make things if you wanted to. And, and that was helpful for me because I was able to put together a reel um, of like just production things. Um, and that helped me get like my first internship. But the program is so short that you're kind of just like one year and done like you go in you take your classes and during that one year you're there you're trying to like meet people and figure out what your next step's going to be and um they help you a lot with trying to either meet alumni in the industry or trying to um like help you prepare like you know your professional stuff like cover letters and resumes but it's mainly just to like i wanted to just meet other people who wanted to be in a film and i moved out to la and i wanted to have other people who i would move out to la with like having like a cohort like that who are starting their careers at the same time as me. That was what I was more interested in. And I had that for a little bit and then the pandemic hit and then they all moved back home. And oh, so man. I think there's only like two or three of us still here um, in LA, but I, I think that's slowly changing now. And have you met like other film people like in your internships and your jobs and stuff? Uh, yeah, I think, so my first internship was at Lucasfilm. Um, I was in there, it's called an online content production uh, internship where I was making a lot of content for like the Star Wars YouTube and like social media channels uh, and by like, content like video content so I was like um, they had a Star Wars kids channel where I was making like craft videos and stuff that was like then I guess the crafts were like Star Wars related um, and then for uh, the Star Wars side um, they would interview like writers directors authors um, visual effects people uh, other types of artists um, and also just kind of generally produce like content related to things that Star Wars is releasing. So like I was there when they were prepping for like the Rise of Skywalker movie. So they were doing a lot of like kind of press stuff for that. But also if comics were coming out, new books or things like that, I would be essentially like trying to, we, we would, our, the team I was on would be like making video content for those channels to, and to promote whatever Lucasfilm's releasing. Yeah, that's awesome you have that marketing background, like especially in films, because I feel like usually people who do marketing for films are just marketing people, and then there's the film people, and I feel like there's like a divide, so I think it's cool that you, you did both. Yeah, it was it was definitely a fun experience, like it was one of the coolest like internships I, I could think of, like um, my team was really great, they taught me a lot, um, and I was less on like the marketing strategy side, um, so I don't really, I wasn't really in those kind of meetings, we would kind of get our like, like not marching orders, but we, we would be told we're trying to promote this, and here's who's going to come in interview and I would be shooting editing setting up lights running audio um, doing a lot of like the post-production stuff for it and then like QCing all the final files before they would get uploaded so it was very much production like video content production I, I, I wasn't really like part of like the strategizing or research and marketing side it was very much like here's what we're trying to do all right let's make it and that yeah. was on like the make it side of things that's awesome though so then you did was your next internship your production internship at DreamWorks 
Um, so I was an intern at Lucasfilm for about four months. Um, it was, this was in summer of 2019. When you're at big companies, like their internships tend to be really good at like introducing you to other people in different departments. Like uh, at DreamWorks, it's like that. Other studios are like that. Lucasfilm was like no exception. But essentially, when um, while I was there, I kind of expressed interest to my team that I was interested in animation and like specifically that I was interested in writing. Um, so people I was working with, they helped me set up coffee meetings with like different execs at the studio. And so one of them was someone who worked in animation. And, and when I was sitting there, I was talking to her. She um, she had worked on like the Clone Wars and worked on all like the animated shows that um, the that Lucasfilm had made. And I told her, like, my interest is in writing, and, like, I'm right now, I'm in content production. Like, do you think, like, if I want to make the leap from my, the department I'm in here to get to there, like, what does that path look like? I'd, I'd, I'd known a little bit, because while I was in Syracuse, I had had, like, a call with, like, um, a story editor at DreamWorks, and he kind of told me, like, the general path to, like, working your way up and writing and animation. Um, but it was, like, a really brief call. <laughs> um, so then when I was meeting with um, this producer, she was basically saying, like, yeah, where you're at, it could just take you longer. Whereas if, um, at the time I had an offer to be an intern at DreamWorks. Um, and so I, I kind of told her that I had that and she said, and she basically gave me the advice that um, you should take that internship because it'll get you closer to where you want to go faster than if you tried to work your way up and do a full-time employee at Lucasfilm and then try and transfer in another department because you'd be learning a whole new department. And if you moved up and got promoted to like, like a mid-level in the con online content production side, I'd have to start over again as a PA yeah. um, in production at Lucasfilm. Not that I wasn't willing to do that because I'm a big Star Wars fan, but um, the way she kind of outlined it, it was like, if you can get started now, um, DreamWorks is a great company. They would, they'll probably help you get where you want to go. Um, so I kind of like took her advice on that. And um, I, when my internship was over, I moved over to, um, I moved over to DreamWorks. Um, I was actually in their current series development and like preschool department. So mainly it's development in current series. So the teams that find and develop and produce shows and then the current series side is the team that oversees the show while they're in production until it's no longer in production. So I kind of got to see like a bird's eye view of like a lot of the different projects that DreamWorks was working on. And um, it's development's very writing adjacent because you're working with writers, you're reading scripts. And like um, I, I did like coverage and stuff like that um, for different projects that they were working on. But um, when I was talking to my supervisors, essentially I would tell them I was interested in writing and they're like, well, you should probably go into production then, maybe less development. And uh, plus like, I don't think there's really any opportunities on the development team at the time my internship was ending. So I was like, okay, <laughs> that's, I'd had a couple people tell me to start in production. And so um, I started looking and talking to like line producers and other people who work in production at the studio. And when my internship ended, I was looking for, I was interviewing um, at places at DreamWorks and also interviewing at other studios. Um, I really like DreamWorks, I like the culture, I like the vibe there. Um, and I like the projects they were working on. And uh, I interviewed for a couple of shows, but then the first show that I ended up getting an offer for was um, this preschool show called Dug Unplugs, which um, is on Apple TV Plus right now. And um, so that was, that was how I kind of transitioned from intern to full-time um, employee and like how I moved from like development to production. Nice. And then what was it like working in production? Like what was your day-to-day -day like? So I think what I like about most of the animation production is it's, it's, it's really kind of like a nine to five job or like nine to six. Um, and it, it is like an office job. A lot of, you know, you're dealing with digital assets. So I was on a show that's called, it's an episodic production. There are some shows that are departmental. Departmental means if I was a production assistant, I would be a production assistant in just the storyboard department or 
just the animation department or just the um, like the lighting department. On an episodic show, you're a production assistant for episodes. So our show, Doug Unplugs, um, had a, a good size order from Apple. And so I was on a team that oversaw the production of like something like 20 shows or 20 episodes of the show. So I would, um, we would get a script for the episode. I would do, um, me and my team, my production coordinator would do a breakdown, which is when we figure out all the things that need to be designed, whether it's like a set that needs to be built or uh, the character uses a hammer to hammer a nail. Like we have to figure out how to build the hammer and how to build the nail. Or if there's a new character, we have to find, uh, we have to create this new character and it has to be rigged and all the other stuff that goes into making a character. And so um, my team is basically keeping all of the artists in those different departments on track, on schedule, and like on budget. So like we, our writers give us the scripts, we break it down, we give it to our visual development artists, they draw the stuff, we let them know like we need these designs approved and done by this time. Um, and then they let us know if there's any issues and we try and reprioritize their, their workload to make sure and things like that so they can get their stuff done on time. And then we take all the stuff they uh, draw and we send it overseas. Our overseas studios, our vendors will um, make the stuff and build it. They send it back to us for approvals. Um, and then eventually, and then during that whole period, the episode's also being storyboarded by storyboard artists. And we're working with the storyboard artists to make sure they're on track and on schedule and they have everything they need. And we're answering all their questions and going to all their meetings and taking all the notes and things like that. And then um, eventually the storyboard gets approved and locked and sent over to our animation studio. They take all those designs that they've built, they drop it in and like start uh, doing layout, which is like just general like placement uh, of like everything. And then they animate it and they light it. And then they, we, we are monitoring and keeping track of all the shots as they come in um, until we give all of the done completed lit shots to our post-production team. So in a very, that, that's like a very, nutshell version of what animation production is at least on my show yeah it seems like you have to keep track of like so many things yeah was that a hard skill set to learn or did that kind of come naturally to you um i i generally consider myself an organized person so i was just kind of helping organize other people yeah <laughs> and like production is kind of a catch-all i think so like we do everything for, to make a show except for like the writing except for the storyboard except for the the like drawing and like the animating side so if, if anyone needs anything, we, we just work on it for them and things. So it, it's mainly just like serving the artists and making sure they have everything they need. Um, and then we do have like deadlines and things that are given to us by like our line producer and our supervisor. So I wasn't really the one like figuring out all of that. We would be kind of given, here's the dates you need to hit and things like that for whatever the, the asset or whatever working on is, which it's not difficult. It's just a lot. <laughs> It's so like it was it, like when I first started, I had not I didn't study animation in school, so it was very like uh, overwhelming because I didn't know any of the terms or phrases. But after a couple of months, I started to get the hang of it, and after I'd kind of seen an episode go all the way from the first stage to the last stage, you, you just kind of get into a rhythm. And once you're in that rhythm, it's not hard. You're just trying to make sure that rhythm like stays consistent, so that way everything is hitting its like its deadlines and its things like that. So. It's hard at first, but then it, it gets easier. And you know, you still, you're not being creative in terms of like creating the story or like drawing something, but you're being creative in like how you organize people's times and like strategizing how to get stuff done. So it's just a different part of the brain, like I think, yeah. but 
it's still fun because it's a very collaborative medium. And so even in production, it's very collaborative. And we had a really good team that was, you know, they taught me a lot and we got to like just figure stuff out and things like that. Do you feel like that impacted your, your writing style? Like now that you know everything, like all these like weird animation, like things that I wouldn't know about as a writer, like, do you feel like that's impacted you or, or not really? So yes and no. I think um, it didn't inform like, you know, what I write about, but especially for TV animation, it made me just cognizant of all of the work that goes into it, um, especially on the production side and the artist side and just like the computer resource side. So if, if I'm on a show ever and I'm like staffed in like a writing capacity on an animated show, as I'm writing, I think there's just going to always be a part of me that's cognizant of how much work yeah. people are going to do <laughs> to make the thing that I'm working on. Um, and so, especially with animation, like I find people are just more friendly and like, you know, easy to work with and collaborative. I haven't really run into any like toxic personalities in the whole span of since I started working because everyone's just pretty nice and you know, we're having fun making this thing or we're trying to at least. And I think having worked in production, I don't think I'm going to be super precious about the stuff I write about. Like I feel like, oh, we can't do this thing. It's, we, we don't we have the budget to like make this whole new character or like this big effect shot that you wrote. Like we can't really do it. I don't think I'd be like the person who's like, oh, we have to do that. Yeah. It's my vision. No, no, no. It's really not about that. It's just like, all right, cool. Well, what can we do within the scope of uh, our production parameters? And then I'll take those like limitations and try and work within them. Um, and so it's still being like creative. Just you're just the box that your creativity is put in just has a little bit more rigid walls. Um, yeah. Because there's just limit. You have a limitation on how how long you have to make a thing. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's like in, in most creative things, like there's always going to be a budget and stuff you can't do even though you have your, your big ideas. Yeah. I think it's good to like learn that as the production person. So how did you then transition into being a writer's assistant yeah. from, from your production background? Yeah, so um, I started um, as a PA and while I was a PA on Doug Unplugs, I had kind of just let my team know that I was interested in being a writer. So they just kind of knew at least in the back of their mind and every so often like, if I was in like a, a performance review kind of thing, I would just reiterate that my goal is to be like a writer or to move up into a script coordinator or writer assistant type role. Um, those roles are hard to come by. Um, they don't pop up very often. Uh, and when they do, there's like a thousand people who are trying to get those. So I was fortunate to have like a team that, you know, wanted to at least teach me and like give me the experience to do that. So like m towards the end of my show, um, our script coordinator left for like um, another show um, at DreamWorks there since our writing team had kind of like absolved um, because we were done with writing shows. We were now just producing them and making them. Um, so what ended up happening was as she was leaving, I, I just kind of voiced like, you know, I'm happy to take over her remaining duties. Um, and they were willing to and she was willing to teach me and my line producer and like my production supervisor were all knew that I had done good work as like a PA and so they were willing to train me on this um, script coordinator duties because they knew I can handle doing both. I was in a situation where I was doing like the production stuff uh, and then also doing, um, we were mostly in ADR for our show. So like, which is when there's just like um, lines that need to be recorded and they have to like match the lip flap that's already been animated and things like that. So there's still a lot of like script coordinator duties associated with it, like preparing scripts for our, uh, for like talent and like for our record studios and like working with like um, voice production to make sure we have everything like early and then going to records when the like the actors and talent come in and do their lines and doing what's called circle takes, which is just like keeping track of the takes that the executive producer likes uh, or that work best for the shot that we're reporting or the line we're reporting. And so like I got to have like the actual experience of doing it and be able to put that like on my resume. Um, for that show, and then when I moved off of Duck Unplugs into another, my the next show I was on at DreamWorks, 
Um, I also covered for my script coordinator occasionally if she was out or sick or something like that. And so I, I had the experience, even though I never had the title of doing it. Um, and then um, after I hit like a year or so at DreamWorks um, on, as a production coordinator, I was kind of looking at like, you know, I really wanted to move into that script coordinator role. My boss kind of told me that, yeah, you can start looking at other things. I know that's what you want to do. So I was looking at DreamWorks. I was looking at other studios. I was interviewing at other places. Like there's a few other studios I interviewed at. Um, I wouldn't have left DreamWorks for any other type of role. Like I didn't want to leave DreamWorks to go to be another production coordinator or something because um, I really like the company and I like the people I work with. But then I saw this opportunity at Warner Brothers. Um, I really, I honestly, I just applied for it like on like LinkedIn actually. Wow. Like I'd, I'd interviewed for a couple of things at Warner Brothers before. Um, and so I think when I applied, maybe like they had recognized my application or something, but Essentially, I saw the opportunity, I applied for it, and then I went through like two or three interviews. They asked to read my samples. I had a preschool sample, and I had like um, a 6 to 11 sample. And then, yeah, like in late September, I found out that they offered it to me. And then I started in November of 2021. Um, and then, yeah, I've been on it since. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit more about your samples. I was lucky enough to read one of them, um, and they're, re they're really good. Um, so what was the process like of getting those polished and perfect? Oh, thanks. Well, I don't think I don't think that they're perfect. <laughs> they, I think there's uh, uh, still a lot of work to do on it. I've gotten some feedback and I'm rewriting some of them. But while I was in college, I didn't write any animated samples. I had written some like live action features. I'd written like an hour long drama. I'd written like a half hour comedy, like live action, like a single cam show. And you know, when I was started working in animation, they told me that they would be looking at samples to put you into consideration for script coordinator roles. So I'm like, okay, well, that's a good <laughs> like motivator to start yeah. writing some of this stuff. Um, so I actually wrote a spec episode of the show I was on, Doug Unplugs, um, just so I had a preschool sample because I'd never, never done preschool writing before. Uh, but since I was very familiar with the voice of the show, since I'd been on like 20 episodes of it, like, and basically lived and breathed it for a year, I was able to at least get a sample that I was happy to show around um, if anyone asked for a preschool sample. Um, but then like, you know, growing up, I had watched like, you know, Avatar Last Airbender. I'm a big fan of other shows that are m like more current. Like I really like she and the Princess of Power and like Kipo, Age of the Wonder Beasts. Like I love those kinds of shows. So I wanted to see if I can write a show like that or at least have a pilot that I can use as a sample for a show like that. Um, and so, yeah, the, the script that you read, it was um, an attempt at that. Um, and I used that as like my, my 6 to 11 or like older kids sample. Um, and uh, yeah, and I also have like an adult animated um, sample. It's, a, it's like a spec of an existing show. Um, and then um, I think it came from wanting to have the most like diverse possible range of like writing samples as possible. So I have everything from like an 11 minute preschool to half hour like um, YA to half hour adult to like hour long to feature like I kind of have the spectrum and I kind of just go back and polish them as I get notes and then also just work on new things whenever I can. Yeah, that's awesome. So so for Bat Wheels, were you giving them like preschool samples? Uh, I gave them both. They asked me for two samples, so I gave them I gave them both. Um, and uh, I I don't know if I ever got like direct like super like notes on it because the people who were reading it were their busy people. Um, but, you know, they interviewed me again, so. Yeah, that's great. So what kind of stories do you, do you like to tell, like, in general? Like, is there, like, a theme that you see, like, in your, in your range of, of samples that, that you kind of like to hit on? Or do you just kind of tell a lot of different stories? Um, I think it depends on the genre I'm writing. Like, when I'm writing preschool, I'm pretty limited to maybe, yeah. like, some of the, the 
types of stories I can tell because you know you have to make sure the writing is something that can be digested to you know for like four year olds. Um, so it can't be super complex, um, and um, it could still be you know well thought out, have structure and make sense, and like respect you know them as viewers because like even people sometimes are like oh you're just writing animation, but like no it's like the the audience who's watching it cares, and so you want to make sure you're not talking down to them or if they're watching with their parents you want to talk down to like their parents and things like that um so for me like in my other types of samples i tend to write from the uh, like the outsider perspective either an outsider trying to break in somewhere or an outsider trying to who, who sees something wrong in like their um where they live or where they're from and setting forth to either try and make positive change or take down the powers that be so it's very much like that's kind of the vein and angle I tend to take at least the what my writing for like older audiences and I think it's a theme that I'm seeing in my current writing whether it, that changes or not um I, I don't know but that, that's yeah. kind of what I feel most passionate about writing about and yeah like in terms of mediums like do you prefer animation or or live action uh, I like both I really don't have a preference for either um I really I'm learning about animation's fun I really like working with people who work in animation um I really like the team I'm on right now. Um, they've been really good about like training me and like uh, teaching me about like the voice of the show and like what the studio is like. And um, I, I really haven't had a bad working experience. Um, so I, I'm sure I could find that in live action too. Yeah. But but for now, um, I'm I'm really enjoying animation. And what I like about animation is that it's very much like a nine to five schedule or nine to six schedule, depending on the day. And like, I have a lot of free time actually to write. Like I'm not on like a 12 hour day on set or a 14 hour day on set. I'm not working weekends. Like I know I work nine to six, Monday to Friday. And then if I wake up at like 6 a.m., I can write from like, you know, I'll have like get ready for my day and then I'll be writing from seven to nine or I'll write when I get off work because I, ha I know I have that time. So I think I would want to definitely keep working in animation and then I'll, I'll write about what I feel most passionate about writing about at the time. Like right yeah. now I'm, I'm writing a lot of different things like um, both, both animated and live action and I'm having equal amounts of fun writing both. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. And so how do you like stay motivated to, to keep writing even now that you're getting a lot closer to, to your dream? Like, are you still just as motivated as you were when you were far away? Like, how oh, do you... Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. If, any, if anything, it's like more motivating because yeah. like, um, you know, it's on the, from the outside, like, like when I was a student, like all you want to do is just break in and get that first yeah. like gig and stuff like that. And then once you finally break in, I, I think just like mentally, you're, you're learning so much so fast and you have to kind of learn very fast because, you know, if, if you make a mistake or if you're, you're late on something, there's that affects like the budget of the show that affects like a lot of different things. So you, you just, I felt at least a lot of pressure to learn as quickly as possible. And so I didn't really have a lot of like mental space to start writing. But then once I started to get more the hang of things, you know, you remember that you're working with people who are doing the thing you want to do, like mm -hmm. um, going to meetings where they're like brainstorming, like edits or rewrites or um, re like do overs on storyboards. Like you just see these people being creative. Like I I'm there taking notes and like to make sure that like, they, they have the notes for later. But I also kind of get to observe and see how they collaborate. And I love those kind of meetings because like you're just kind of there like listening to these people brainstorm and tell a story and try and figure it out and um, then usually after those meetings like man I really can't wait to do that yeah. and so like um, that's kind of how I approach it is like I, I know what I'm doing is production and I'm in like that space at the moment but um, being around it is like oh cool like I, it reminds me like oh that's why, that's why I want to do this or that's what I'd like to do and then I clock out and I start writing. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah. yeah. So, so what advice would you give someone trying to break into TV writing? So uh, I would, I preface this by saying I haven't written anything yet. Like I am, I'm not like a, a, I don't have like a produced credit and things like that. Um, but I would say at least at, 
first, like I, I'm very much on like the the very junior, most junior level. Like writer's assistant is like kind of where I think TV writing, people who are interested in TV writing might start. But I think at first, whether you're like a college student trying to break in, or if you're like trying to transition or break into the industry from another industry, um, I would just say be open-minded to like what you your first gig is or what your first job is, because it, it's likely not going to be the the thing you want to do immediately. Um, and so just be patient. Like it can take a couple of years to get that first job. That's the actual job you want to get. Um, it could take, you know, two, three, five, ten years. And like however long it takes, you know, be patient with yourself. Always try to be work towards it. And then like just be really fun and easy to work with. Like, yeah, I think um, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to get trained on the script coordinator job if I sucked at my production job. So like if, if I was constantly late or if my emails were filled with typos and were like, um, if all of the, the spreadsheets I was working on just didn't make sense or were unorganized, they wouldn't have recommended me to at least get trained for like the script coordinator job because like they would just not trust my work or my work ethic. But because I did well, at least at first in the production stuff, they were willing to give me a little extra responsibility and extra training because they knew I could handle both. And I think that's something like a lot of people do, at least at first, is they feel like this stuff is beneath me. I really want to be doing this other thing. So I'm only going to focus on these things and and people just remember like the line producers the production supervisors the people who and like the other decision makers who may have influence over whether or not you can get those kind of roles will remember whether how, how you were to work with and that will speak volumes as you're eventually trying to get to where you want to go um yeah. so oh yeah just you know be open-minded when you first start out um be patient and then um be someone that people like working with yeah totally i think that's great advice um so what's like your favorite part of your job? Um, I, I definitely just like the writers' room meetings. Yeah. Like um, right now, we're not in person. We're we're doing it all on Zoom. But I would say like ninety, maybe like eighty-five percent of my job is like production stuff. So like I have to be cognizant of like budgets, schedules, and like talking with my associate producer and my line producer about where we're at with everything and like being updated and being and ha- being as knowledgeable about our show and the process and my department as possible. So when we have actual writer's room meetings and I'm there like taking notes, um, then it's, that's when I like, it's kind of had a fun. Cause like, yeah. um, everyone's kind of figuring out how to break a story or they're trying to work out like story points or an arc or things like that, or cool, like scenes or jokes or funny beats and things like that. And, uh, they could occasionally let me like make do some like pitches here and there. And like, it's always kind of fun to just like, I- I'm there to take notes, but also like, uh, sometimes I can contribute in some ways. Sometimes like I can, be part of find helping find the solution and like it's always like kind of like just an extra fun little boost of like like during the day because like I'll be I'll have those fun meetings and then I'm like all right cool back to the production grind yeah I'm sure those are very motivating okay so what's something most people don't know about being an animation tv writer um I think something that people tend to not know about animation writing is that you're actually uh I think there's two things one uh, on like the the business side, you're represented by the uh, by IATSE. Uh, you're part of the Animation Guild. You're actually not part of the Writers Guild. Um, so I think people who are maybe interested in animation writing and want to have a good idea of you know like how much they'll make or what their livelihood's going to be like, um, they should reference the Animation Guild's um, schedule of minimums, not the Writers Guild. You can be a Writers Guild writer and then work on a, an animated show, but if you have only ever worked in um, animation, 
um, and you've never done live action, um, you'll, you'll be represented by the Animation Guild. Um, and in order to work on a Writers Guild project, you'll have to you know, join that union in addition. So I think um, just being cognizant of that um, as you're looking at like, you know, what you think the, the like on the, at least on the money side, like what your future might look like uh, based on the rates that are set by the, the Animation Guild. On the other side, uh, the more creative side, I think animation writing sometimes gets like a, a, a weird rap where it's like, oh, you're just writing for kids. So like the stakes are lower because like kids will laugh at anything. I, I don't believe that at all. Like I think like I can remember a lot of animated shows I grew up watching and if they were like annoying or like dumb and like I felt like they didn't care about the continuity on their show or if there was plot holes and it just didn't make sense as a kid I would just stop watching yeah um and like I think for like adults even like if there's a show that that's on like say you're like binging a show or something you'll be like oh the first couple episodes are so I'll just keep watching and then it'll get good and this but like for kids like no they're done like yeah like oh that was boring I didn't laugh at all I don't want to watch the show anymore and then they just don't watch it anymore um, and I feel like it's important to like respect your audience and like even if your audience is like four to eight year olds or like seven to 17 year olds or what, whatever the age group is that your show's on, it's important to like keep in mind and respect them as viewers. And like um, when you're telling a story, like you just telling the best version of that story you possibly can. Um, a lot of the, like the writing team, uh, the writing teams that have been on the shows that I've worked on, they're all very cognizant of that. Like if there's like a plot hole, like they, they really care about trying to like fix it and like make sure it makes sense. Um, and on the preschool shows I've been on, they're like very keen on like making sure that the story still works as a whole and that say like a parent is watching, they want to make sure that the parent also doesn't feel like, you know, their intelligence is being insulted. And they don't want to feel like, they don't want to like insult the intelligence of the kids either because a lot of kids will be cognizant of like, you know, the story that they're watching and if things make sense or if they've been watching a lot of episodes, if you contradict something in a later episode, like, to be wary of that because they'll be like, well, in this episode, they this happened and th like they'll notice and they'll remember. Um, and so I think like, like it, it's still storytelling. It's still like very much like a craft of like trying to tell the best story possible and like bring these like fun kooky characters to life in the most honest like way possible. And like, I, I just think like always remember that if you're writing like an animated sample or um, if you're in a room, um, because I, I, I don't know, I, I think like, um, when people kind of like talk about animation writing in like in less positive ways, I feel I feel like they're they're not quite understanding like how good you know, animation writing can be. And like uh, I go back to like shows like Shira or like Avatar or even SpongeBob. Like yeah. like they're they're just funny and like they just really care about the stories they're trying to, the stories they're trying to tell. And like the jokes land because like I, I don't know like I, I think that from from the creative side just respect your audience like just really care about it if you're doing it because um it's fun I, and i think it's like a, a good time yeah for sure and i i still see spongebob in like memes and in yeah. culture now and I, I mean i'm sure it's had like a million seasons probably way more than any adult show i mean i guess the simpsons but that's animated too like yeah i think it really has an impact yeah and and i think like and i think that speaks volumes for like you know the show itself like i mean I'm, I've, I've literally been rewatching like Avatar because it's such a good show and like it holds up. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, another show I really like is like the Dragon Prince and like sure the, the main characters are kids, um, but like the stories have like depth and their characters grow and evolve over as the seasons go and they, they make tough choices and like um, cho choices and decisions that, you know, uh, someone that age can relate to. But like 
good story is a good story. And like, I think you would be doing a disservice to your script if you view kids television as lesser than like adult um, or like shows for like adults or shows for like um, like young uh, whatever it might be like or like live action yeah and I mean even like live action adult shows are about kids a lot of the time like yeah. Stranger Things and Euphoria like we're still yeah. like kind of obsessed with like the process of growing up like, oh yeah totally it's something like everyone was a kid once yeah. <laughs> like everyone kind of went through those growing pains and so I think when you're um, like the writers on one of the shows I was on at DreamWorks they always like to just talk about and think about like, you know, what was it like? What, what, what could you relate to? What were some things you went through that you can bring to this story? And like kind of being there during those meetings and those brainstorms like was like, like really eye opening and also like really like kind of encouraging to watch because like they really cared about the stories they were telling, and especially shows like She-Ra where they're a lot of the audience is like, um, you know, it's very it, it's um, it like very, it very much like celebrates characters who are like LGBTQ um, and things like that. And they want to make sure that those shows are uplifting and empowering for people who um, are like who identify as that as opposed to whereas in the past a lot of kids content sometimes it was like you know it was like derogatory or it wasn't well understood or they were bullied and not it wasn't viewed in a negative light so I think like when you have a show that like Shira or like um, or like the Dragon Prince or like any other content that's tried to meant to uplift kids I think you have a lot of like you, you have like a really awesome opportunity to be able to inspire kids who may otherwise as they're watching feel like they don't have a place in the world that they live in and I feel like that's a responsibility if you're writing that to take very seriously um, because a kid might watch it and that's my, maybe the first time they feel seen in like the broader community and so you want to respect them um, so yeah yeah and that must have like such a huge impact and oh totally so have the shows you worked on did they have that kind of diversity well so the first show I was on at DreamWorks was um, a preschool show um, and it was very and it was still very cognizant uh, making sure that um, the characters um, whether they were in the background or they were lead characters, uh, were diverse in terms of like you know body shape, in terms of like skin color, in terms of like, um, and, and we had cultural consultants that we wanted to um, like we had an episode about like the holidays, and so we they they had like a, a Christmas uh, the, a Christmas celebration, a Hanukkah celebration, a Kwanzaa celebration, and then we worked with cultural consultants to make sure that we were respecting those celebrations and not like doing like anything stereotypical or things like that or problematic. So. When, when you're writing um, your pilots and you, you have an opportunity to describe what the character looks like, do you, do you put in that they're diverse or do you kind of leave it up to casting or like how do you put that in your script? I, personally, I put it in. Okay. Um, whether every writer on every show does, I don't know. But um, at least from what I've been taught is that if I put that in there, it will tell casting who we want to cast as opposed to leave it up to casting if it's if it's like ethnically ambiguous or 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 like if I'm writing a character who's like identifies as like non-binary or something like that like I want to make sure like that's all there essentially yes I think it's important to be intentional um, about um, these the characters you're writing um, so when you're writing you should know who your characters are where they're coming from where they want to go and I think a lot of that comes from like their identity and how they identify and so I think putting that in there is very important so that it's not miscast or so that yeah um the portrayals are authentic and accurate okay cool so where do you think the television industry is heading like particularly in like animation tv writing do you foresee any big changes in the coming years I know I saw like a hashtag for like pay animation writers like do you think that these kind of things are are, are you know getting some steam I think especially with the pandemic and how the pandemic shut down a lot of live action production, 
animation production has kind of been booming. Um, it was like one of the few things that was getting actively greenlit. And this is like not just at, you know, one or two studios. It was like industry-wide. So I think at least in the near term from the animation perspective, we're, we're going to be seeing a lot of new animated shows. And I think we're going to be enter like a really awesome like age of like golden age of like animation because um, so many cool things have been greenlit and a lot of it's informed by like a lot of the things that have happened over the last couple of years. And so I'm hoping that it's going to be, you know, great art and very awesome stories and things that are going to be told, but also through the lens of like, you know, what we've learned. And I think it'll be helpful for an educational for kids watching it, but also just like uplifting and I, I, I don't know. I think it'll be fun from like an industry perspective. I just think a lot of like, especially with streaming, I just think that there's going to be like a lot of like fluidity in genre. Like um, a show I'm watching right now, uh, I don't know if you've seen Arcane. Um, oh, it's a really, really good animated show. You should watch it. It's, um, it's, it's definitely an adult animated show. It's based off like League of Legends, but it's like 45 minute episodes. Um, and then Amazon's been doing some stuff, um, like 45 minute, like animated shows. And then like, especially with like all the streamers getting into kids and family, I just think you're going to be seeing like a lot of different types of shows of like varying length of varying genre. And I think you're just going to have a, 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 like a really diverse pick, um, for what you can watch. Um, yeah, the short of it is, I think we're going to be entering like a really cool, like golden age of animation where we're going to have a lot of really cool shows, um, that maybe otherwise wouldn't have gotten greenlit. Um, a lot of different artists and creatives are really diving into it. On like the animation, like uh, writing and like uh, union side, um, I know that there is a big active push um, to increase like pay for animation writers. I think it's well warranted. Um, I just hope like, and we'll see how um, the IATSE um, negotiations go with the studios. You know, I'm very hopeful that they. Um, the writers get what they want. Um, I don't know when we'll know or, uh, like what I, I think cause the negotiations got pushed and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll see, but I hope that everything that the animation writers want, they get. Yeah. Um, and yeah, well, thank you so much. Um, so are you in any writers groups or any like groups or clubs uh, related to writing? Um, I'm in a couple, uh, I'm in a writers group. with some friends like locally, um, and then. I have some friends who, they're not necessarily in like the, the film industry, but uh, we all like to do different types of writing. So I'm in a group of like with writers who are working on like novels, uh, but then I'm also in like a screenwriter group. Um, and then um, I've taken classes like, like sketch writing or like comedy writing classes at various places around town, like UCB and things like that. And those aren't necessarily writers groups, they're, they're more classes, but we'll like stay in touch and read each other's samples and, and scripts and things like that. I got a lot out of the class. Um, and if anything, it was just to give me some deadlines to write. Yeah, Because sometimes, it's, it. <laughs> sometimes I can just, with unstructured time, I don't do well, um, but that was helpful. Um, yeah. What's the biggest lesson you've learned about writing? I think the biggest lesson I've learned about writing is to just do it as often as possible. Um, and to not be too precious about the things you write about, like really care about it, really want to tell good stories. But, you know, if you give it to people you trust and they give you feedback, and if that feedback will honestly make it better, you know, be open to doing those rewrites and putting in the work to change it to, to make it its best version of itself. Uh, but then like at the same time, it's practical if you like are like entry level writing, like if you are putting ideas or if you're pitching ideas um, in a room or um, pitching ideas for episodes, it's going to get noted. Like it's, it's going to get noted by like story editors, by your executive producer, by executives, by networks. Um, and so like being able to adapt to those notes and trying to find creative ways around them to still, you know, tell the best story, but like just knowing that, you know, you're, especially at like staff writer or freelance writer level, like you, you're beholden to those notes and to do those rewrites and like, that's part of like what your job is, especially at that stage. 
Um, and just to know that it's not, it's not to like harp on your like creative vision or anything like that. It's really to just tell the, the story that the other showrunner is trying to tell. Um, and so I think if you are able to let go of that and not be as precious about it, I think you might be able to, at least I enjoy writing a little bit more because um, I'll be like, cool, yeah, that works. Let me see if I can figure out a way to do it and then try and do it. And then if they're like, oh, try it again. And then we just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. Um, and I just don't really have like an ego about it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's, it's, especially for, if, from like a, on a TV side, the showrunner is the boss and your, your writing is to serve the, what's best for the show as opposed to what you want as a writer. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like as the writer, then you can like kind of learn about how to be a good leader. So if you're ever in a situation where you are a showrunner, you can like know how to give, <laughs> communicate your vision in a way that's not like toxic or anything. Yeah. No. And like, you know, getting the, when I get notes, like I, I, I kind of just take account, like that was those notes I got were given to me in a very constructive and helpful way <laughs> and so maybe next time if I'm giving somebody notes I'll phrase the notes I'm giving in that way so because I felt it was not like aggressive or whatever but still very helpful and like straightforward and it, it does inform if I get good notes or if I get or at least the notes you're giving to me are helpful yeah I feel like the notes you gave me were very like positive and like I feel like you're very good at like phrasing things like a compliment sandwich of like this is good change this this is good like I feel like you've got that down because I just know that that's how I like to receive yeah. notes if someone's just like this is terrible it's awful don't ever write like this ever again I'll just I don't know I just know how I respond to that yeah. so I want to make sure if I'm giving notes it's helpful I get the note across but I don't want them to feel bad and hopefully I'm encouraging them to keep writing yeah yeah for sure well, thank you so much. I just want to wrap up with like a more fun question. Sure. So what are your favorite shows on TV and why? Sure, yeah. Uh, well, my favorite show right now is Arcane. Um, I would highly recommend it. Um, I've never seen an animated show so well produced. It's basically like every episode I feel like I'm watching like feature level animation. Um, and it's the stories are great. The characters are so like well thought out and like... The world building is amazing, um, so definitely recommend that uh, for anyone interested in writing like fantasy or sci-fi, um, like animation stuff. Let's see, on like the the YA or like young uh, uh, six to eleven side, like I really recommend the Dragon Prince and She Run, the Princesses of Power and Kipo, Age of the Wonder Beast. Um, I think that's some of the best like animated stuff to come out. Like I know that uh, two of those are DreamWorks, so maybe I'm a little biased, but I do, I do think they're really really excellent shows. Um, besides that, I don't know. I really like The Boys on Amazon. Big fan of Invincible, uh, another like, kind of adult animated show. Um, I like Big Mouth. Uh, I'm also watching the Foundation um, series on Apple TV Plus. I really, really dig it. And uh, Ted Lasso, I think, is another. Ted Lasso. Yeah, another big favorite. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> great. You have so many recommendations. So, is there any way people can find you? Like any kind of Instagram or website um, you want to plug or? Um, I think the best way. Uh, you can just give an email or something. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, like, find me on LinkedIn. It's just my name, okay. Josh Pitta. And, like, um, Instagram, it's also at Josh Pitta. I really, I have a Twitter, but I only have it so that someone doesn't take that name. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't use Twitter at all. <laughs> um, and then, like, other social media, I'm just not really on. And I need to update my website because it's really out of date. Yeah, that's okay. You don't need, like, a, a website portfolio for, for TV writing. I don't think you just need the good samples. <laughs> yeah, just just need that. Yeah, no, hopefully this is helpful because I'm not, I know I'm not like, like a staff writer or like higher level, but um, at least from the production side, if, any, if anybody has questions, I'm happy to at least talk about like the, the writer's center, like production side of things. Yeah, I mean, that's how I met Josh was just DM'd him on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he's, he's definitely a great person to talk to if anyone is 
interested in hearing more about his story. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for being on Into the Writer's Room. I really appreciated hearing everything about your journey. Sure. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining me in the writer's room today. If you want to chat writing or any ideas for upcoming episodes, message me on Instagram at Into the Writer's Room. Thanks so much and see you next time.